This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Are you surprised to see a brand new podcast from us in your feed? Don't be. This is how it's going to be. With this episode, we are moving into being a weekly podcast, and we couldn't be more excited. More etiquette, more questions, more time with you. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Welcome to Awesome Etiquette, part of the Infinite Guest Network. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. So about two weeks ago, Dan and I had one of our most favorite weeks of the year here at the Emily Post Institute, and that was our Train the Trainer week. And we host two sessions. We host a business etiquette train the trainer course and a children's etiquette train the trainer course. And what's really fantastic about it is that this is a chance for people to learn how to teach either business or children's etiquette the way that we would teach business or children's etiquette in our seminars and workshops. And it truly is a time where sort of, I I would start by calling them strangers, come into our lives and they truly, by the end of the four or five days of training that they do with us, feel like family, become like family and are part of the Emily Post family. And it's, it is such an incredibly intense week. And it's also one of the most exciting and encouraging weeks that we have. And Dan's actually one of our trainers. He trains the with along with his mother. I, I co-teach with my mother our, our children's train the trainer program, but I'm also a graduate of the program, as is Lizzie Post. Uh, we, we both took the program when it was first getting launched many years ago. Um, the, the business program was really developed by Lizzie's father and um, we used to do them all over the country. We used to to do them regionally, but we found people traveled from all over the country, all over the world. So we relocated them here in Vermont, and it really it just has, made it a lot easier. It's brought this homey feel to it. It yeah. really does feel like we get to invite people to our place, to our home. They, they get, get to, to visit see the, the office and yeah. thumb through some of our our family photo albums. We call it the archive, but. That's sort of a grand name for a set of scrapbooks and old family photos. But they are an archive. I mean, Emily's old radio show scripts are in it. Oh, so much fun. She was a master gardener and her gardening journal is there. With her personal notes on the dahlias. And, you know, all of the books that she wrote, we have a copy of every single one. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it it kind of really is an archive. It it, it is. It's And... um, for me, one of the most fun parts of the week is uh, a concluding dinner that we do at a, a, a lovely local restaurant. I'll mention them by name, the kitchen table. They're phenomenal. And uh, there, there's a moment that I look forward to in the training <laughs> each year where we're all sitting around a long table and Peter Post, Lizzie's father, stands up at the end of the meal. And I hope I'm not giving away a, a spoiler alert. If you plan on coming to our training sometime, <laughs> pretend that you don't hear this next part. Peter stands <laughs> up and he, he offers a toast. And I look forward to it every session because um, 
Peter has has a warm heart and he's a sentimental man. Mm -hmm. And uh, the toast comes out a little different every time. But one of the themes that really emerges is is welcome to the family. And and he he thanks everyone for coming and and encourages them to go forth and continue to spread the word about good etiquette and to take it to communities and places, sometimes globally, where we we just personally can't reach ourselves or or don't. But this is this is one of the ways that, that we really get to share this tradition and 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 good etiquette with with so many people in, in a really special way. So we just got to do it. So it's really on our mind right now. It is. So tell me, because Dan was obviously he's teaching in the children's training this year. And I actually spent a lot of time at the business training this year, which typically I'll do. I've done the business training before. And so I'll do a lot of the background and support work and kind of hold down the office while Anna and Peter do the business training and Cindy and Dan do the children's training. But this year I actually reattended um, in a hopes to to have kind of a better handle on the program and redo our e-learning um, less e-learning courses, excuse me. Mm. And I was so glad that this was the group. And every group we have is awesome. And it's true. They're but when unique. you spend a week with them and when you're just hot off that week, you just you always think they are the best week, the best group ever. And in this particular group, I just absolutely had never seen this happen before. Marquise got up to do his presentation. You have to do practice presentations. So as you're learning the material, you get maybe five or six slides that you've got to practice on. And we film you and there's a critique of it. <laughs> and it's it's not scary. It's a very supportive thing. Some people it's find it a like, little scary. Yeah, they, everyone is nervous about it. And I will tell you, you can go on our on our YouTube channel and you can see videos of people saying that this turned out to be their favorite part. It's true of the entire session and Marquise got up there and he I swear to you everyone in that room said they thought that they were in some kind of the most jubilant excited church group they had ever been in he got from word one out of his mouth when he said good morning to you all and he was like let me hear how you all doing this morning and people were like good you know they all say because now let me hear you everyone's like good and they're throwing their hands up in the air I mean I've never seen a train the trainer group more captivated by a presenter on their first try at presenting. It was phenomenal. And that that is special. I've seen people bring the audience to tears. Oh, <laughs> but but um, they went to, sentimental. <laughs> to have them holding their sides is uh, to take takes a special brand, no question. This this was a an unusual group in in that regard. Yeah, no, they were they were really killer. What about yours? Was there any standout moment from the children's group this children's year? Children's group was a little quieter this year, but we, <laughs> we had a really good time. It was my my mother and I co teach it. One of the most fun things for me was um, there was a woman in the children's program who had done the business program years before. Oh, Kara. And she she has her own children now and had come to do the children's program because she's just finding that's the, the sphere of her life where her interest is is now was with with children. Um, and it, it was really it was really sweet to watch her transition that grown up material into into the world of children. It would be accessible um, to kids and, yep. and kind of and, pare it down from the, the business 
and Sad and uh, she's been she's been out in the world teaching for years now, and she has a real clarity about in terms of her understanding of the material and the topics, and the way that translated into the children's material was um, was really satisfying. It's to watch. really fun when you wind up with an alumni of one of the programs in the other program because there are differences between the two programs. I mean, obviously the material is geared for mm-hmm. completely different age groups, but the the core values of the programs are the same, and it is really fun to watch someone be able to hone that material towards their audience in this way. It, it, it does. And it, it brings for me some clarity around what those core values are. And it reminds me of our first episode of this podcast where, where we, talk we talked about, about consideration, respect and honesty. Yeah, that's and the guiding principles for for the etiquette that we that we teach. Well, the Train the Trainer course was definitely, it's it's exhausting and it's amazing all at once. And we are so grateful to our trainees. And who knows, maybe we'll get you in one of our sessions one day. I think the next one will be in the, the, the lovely spring weather. We're going to get through this difficult winter. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> don't, don't predict that winter is going to be difficult. Let's pretend. I mean, it's 74 degrees here in Vermont today. Maybe in the last October. truly beautiful day of fall. I know. Uh, right? Hope there's a few more, but t- today's certainly gorgeous. Fingers crossed. Hey, let's get to some of your questions. Sure, you're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. This question comes from Simka. We were invited to my niece's upcoming wedding in Quebec. We were quite shocked to see that there was a charge of $70 per person to attend the wedding and reception, which includes the meal and an open bar. 
Have you ever heard of this practice before? Also, I know that you say that one shouldn't base a gift on the per-person costs, but should we adjust our gift down from our normal amount, as this is different circumstances? It seems like it would be unfair to our other nieces and nephews, who have all paid for their weddings, if we both pay for our meals and give the same gift amount. Though I can also see the other side of the argument— as we would give the same amount if they had spent $10 per plate, or we would give the same amount if they had spent $100 per plate. Just this time we happen to know they're spending $70 a plate. A few of our younger relatives won't even be attending because of the cost. Should anyone mention the reason for them not attending to see if the couple wishes to cover them? I can hear the gasps. <laughs> I know, right? This is, uh, yeah. So, so far in Emily Post etiquette and our brands of etiquette, no, you never ask someone to pay to attend your wedding. We'll start from square one. And absolutely, that this is not an emerging tradition that we've heard anything about. Not only that, but it wouldn't be one that we would advise as being yeah. an okay tradition. Generally speaking, the host pays. That's the plan. And That's a wedding plan. being one of the, the classic examples where you're really deferring to that more formal behavior, you, you want to plan a wedding that you can afford. You want to plan and, and manage costs in a way that, that you as the host can, can manage that. Right. And, now, I've attended weddings that are quote-unquote destination weddings where there is – because of either the resort or the, the venue that we're going to, there's kind of an all-inclusive cost. But what is never included in that cost on the guest is the if, – if they're invited to the rehearsal dinner, the rehearsal dinner cost would be removed for them and the reception cost and open bar cost would be removed for them. For instance, I went to a wedding uh, earlier this summer. It was at a summer camp and I paid for my bus ticket down and I paid for my lodging and the food not associated. So they had breakfast and lunches set up for us every day, but the entire guest list was invited to the rehearsal dinner. That was It was made very clear that the rehearsal dinner and the reception were not included, mm -hmm. nor were they things that we were expected to participate in paying for. I think that's a great point, that right. you're, you're expecting travel expenses and yeah. lodge. Th those include lodging, meals, not associated yeah. with the – and oftentimes those are, are – considered and are part of a package where there's some kind of special right. but this is different this is this is not that circumstance and no you should they okay so we've established they shouldn't be asking for this what should you do i think this is really up to you if you mm -hmm. no matter what the gift that you give should always be based on your own budget. So if you have a budget of $250 per niece or nephew that you're going to spend and they're charging you $70 to go to the wedding, well, maybe your gift is $70 less. Well, I and I, Boy, it's up to you. The, in, our intentions are so important in this world. <laughs> and I think this is a great example where um, I think it's really important to look at yourself and look at your intentions. And you don't want to respond in a spiteful way. You don't want to match no, one no, no. rude gesture with another. Well, if they're going to charge me, then I'm going to. But if you've really got a budget. That's and, what I'm saying. And what you're operating from is a place where you have a certain amount of free and available money. And For you, things like and this. And $70 yeah. is going towards something if your intention isn't. Uh, to operate out of anger or spite, but really just to stay within your own budget, I think that's reasonable. Um, I also think that the follow-up question they ask is really important. Should someone talk to this couple about it? And that's a really difficult one because it's always hard to talk to someone else about 
um, their behavior, their choices, at especially the, around finances. At the same time, this is close family and friends. And if there are people who aren't attending because of the cost, because they're either insulted or they can't afford it, it might be important for the couple to know it and figuring out a way to get them that message um, might uh, being willing to face the awkwardness of doing that and figuring out a way out a way to do it well might be helpful to them. They might want to put aside a little money for people that can't attend because they can't afford it. So what or, would that sound like? And that's the tricky <laughs> question. <laughs> like, I, I think like any difficult conversation, you ask permission to have it. Mm-hmm. So you say, you know, there's something really difficult that I'd like to talk to you about. Is there a time when we could do that? Or And you might even mention that it's about the wedding. You know, there's something that's come up in regards to the wedding. It's a little difficult that mm-hmm. I'd like to talk to you about. And um, pretend that you were in the other position and think about how you would like to be approached. That's another thing that can be really helpful when you're approaching a difficult conversation. Get get calm in yourself. Say to yourself, you know, if this were me, I would want to know about it. And I'd want to hear about it from someone who who cared about my position and, and, and took, took into account ahead of time my intelligence and my goodwill. So they approached me and said, you know, you might not be aware of this, but There are a few people who, upon receiving your invitation, maybe you don't use the language of upon receiving your invitation. Well, but that is the truth of the matter. Found found it um found it awkward, and they weren't really sure what to do, or or or, uh, didn't like being asked to pay, or can't afford to pay, and aren't attending. I think I would I would go more for the for the you know. the kids would love to come, but unfortunately, they can't afford the seventy dollars fee that, that you're sounds, asking boy, for. Your language is better than because mine. Because I don't think saying they were offended or they were felt awkward or they felt yeah. imposed upon. It's those things are all true, but that starts to get back at that. And this is so. What Dan and I are doing right now mm-hmm. is exactly what you should do: is test it out. How does yep. it sound? What you know, like as as soon as you go into X territory on it, do you do you feel your shoulders? go up a bit or tense a bit do you feel that that kind of like clutch in your stomach or your throat that's the indication that that you haven't quite found the right wording yet and i'm not even sure that my wording is the correct wording but if you if you say it and you feel any of those things coming up you might want to just try to find another way and if you can't find another way then it's just something you let go of. There are plenty of weddings that I have been invited to that I have had to say no to because I could not afford the plane ticket to get down there. I couldn't afford the time off from work because they did it at a difficult time of year. And those are just realities. And one thing that this couple has done in choosing to charge people for their wedding is they have they have chosen to accept the fact that some people might not be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anybody it, it is so not a common thing to see on a wedding invitation. First of all, what drives me nuts about it is that wedding invitation is supposed to be about inviting the guest. It is not supposed to be about finances and how much it's going to cost for you to get there. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be about gifts. Really rarely is it ever even about attire. It is just about saying, this is one of the most important decisions I'm about to make, and I want you there. That Mm -hmm. is the point of a wedding invitation. It's why you don't have inserts. It's why you don't have anything come with that wedding invitation other than the invite itself. Mm -hmm. So when they're asking for this money for the wedding to help cover the cost of the wedding – they, I, I, I find it um, true to what Dan said earlier. I'm going to respect your intelligence. You must know that some people aren't going to be able to do this. Probably. Right? Like, <laughs> Probably. you got to know that this might not go over too well with some people. 
And they've think. accepted it you and think. then moved forward. At the same time, if common I know, sense weddings, were common. people get like people people get funky about it. But and one other thought before we leave it that I that I because just in thinking about the best way to to approach this, um, uh, as I was searching for that correct language, I mm-hmm. found myself talking about the way other people were feeling, and that's always difficult to say. You know, someone else might be offended. It's always good to take responsibility for your own feelings. I'm reminded of yep. of my mother's advice: the "when you I feel" statement. When I received this invitation, I felt bothered or upset at being asked to pay. I, th- I think that then you're not saying that 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 they made you do anything, but you're acknowledging the way you feel and you're you're describing the action that that was the start of that. And so the only my only problem with that is that mm-hmm. if if you say that and then attend the wedding, there's this kind of bizarre dark cloud over your attendance. And I would instead so the, the question is a few of our younger relatives won't be able to attend. Do we mention the reason for them not attending? Mm-hmm. I think that if you are close with with the bride and groom, if you're close with the bride and groom's parents who are often the actual hosts of the event, mm-hmm. that it's okay to say, you know, uh, uh, Carol and Jim just couldn't afford it and they wish they could be there, but it's it's not going to happen this time. You don't have to say they couldn't afford the seventy dollars you're charging them. You jerk, like you know. And we know you'd never say you jerk, but that 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 would be the way to say it to them. Don't mention that it's specifically in regards to the seventy dollars, but just say you know they if and that's as long as as your son and daughter or some of these younger relatives are okay with you even mentioning it. They might not want you to, and it is okay it's to so just delicate. decline because you can't. And I don't think that berating this couple for what they've chosen to do is going to do anything in the long run. I mean, their parents have probably gotten behind this or if they haven't are not happy about it. Like it's, I think you just got to say, okay, we're going to go. You're going to decide whether or not you have the budget to do that normal hundred dollar gift or whether it's going to be a $30 gift because your budget is now lower. And, you know, you're just going to say Jim and Carol couldn't afford to come or they couldn't come. They wish they could be here. And that's it. But I think I, that's great advice. I don't think we should. I don't think we should hammer the bride and groom with with how they should have done this right. They just didn't get it right. And they made that choice. And now they might have a smaller wedding because of it. (laughs) Can can you tell Lizzie's the co-author on the wedding book? (laughs) She's good at this stuff. (laughs) Anyway, good luck. And I do hope you have a lot of fun at the wedding. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So our next question comes from Jennifer. She begins, hello. I'm so glad that you have started this podcast because I've been wanting to find a polite response to a situation that I was in recently. However, it is also one that I hope I won't be in again. 
During an opera last summer, the man behind me coughed without covering his mouth. Mm -hmm. While something like this hardly qualifies for calling in the etiquette police, in this case, the force of the cough was so strong that it literally, and I mean literally, not figuratively, blew my hair forward. Obviously, I didn't say anything to him. Coughs can pop out when we least expect it, and you get a lot of nasty stares when you talk, even quietly, during an opera. However, then he did it again, and my hair blew forward again. I didn't say anything. Unfortunately, I was blasted yet a third time. The virus hovering in his germy cough got me a couple of days later. So my question to you is this. Surely, it was rude of him to let rip such humongous coughs without covering his mouth. But wouldn't it have been even ruder of me to ask him to cover his mouth? On the other hand, had I risked seeming rude, perhaps I wouldn't have gotten his cold. For the record, I looked around to see if I could move to another seat but couldn't because the opera was sold out. I hope that you can give me some guidance. Thank you, Jennifer. Oh, that's just, it's such a bummer because she's, she is in that position of it's very hard to correct a stranger's behavior. And she understands that. She's also in a place where you are not supposed to talk at all. And it's one of the few places left where it's really bad form, where it's yeah. like really, truly bad form. Um, at the same time, from cough one, you could have gotten that cold. So it doesn't matter whether he coughed once or he coughed four times or five times. It's mm -hmm. You're at risk. So I don't think you could have prevented the cold no matter what. But I do think that after the second time, I probably would have turned around and motioned. It's exactly what I was thinking. The, the power of the glance and maybe even the gesture, the of little... covering like, your mouth. Yeah, yeah, like putting a hand to your mouth and just, you know, and with a sympathetic, like, Please, mm -hmm. like like kind of a puppy dog eyes like oh i like that please i, I oftentimes like, think of the please. reproachful glance with, no, yeah with, i know that's what naturally you comes. look and you sort of like grr. give them a the little bit of a gur but i love this the sympathetic like oh the lizzie's giving please. me these puppy dog eyes with a hand over her mouth like could you please and um i i think that makes a lot of sense and the only other thing i can say is that we we do often say that if you're in a a public place where there is something like an usher or some staff member of the facility that you can go to if there really is a problem that that is the best way to address it because I go back to the crazy story in LA of the movie theater and Oof. the guy this is the cra craziest etiquette story I've ever heard someone was using their cell phone in a movie theater and guy Turns turns Texting, believe, turns to yeah. the person using it and said, you know, can you turn it off or whatever it was he said. And the next thing you know, the the people using the cell phone went out to their car. Apparently, they'd been shopping at a kitchen went next store. Door and bought it. Oh, went next door and bought it. So they <laughs> went to the kitchen store next door and bought a meat thermometer, came back and stabbed the guy who had mentioned to them in the throat with a meat thermometer. Horrible, horrible. Like, I mean, really horrible. So that's our cautionary tale of why it's always dangerous to approach anybody. You just don't know how disturbed or sort of unstable they could be. Absolutely. And um, it's why we always say if there is a staff member for you to go to, to go to that staff member. But I think that turning around with a gentle and sympathetic face and mm -hmm. covering your mouth and just, you know, kind of saying, please, so I, would work. We're, we're not at our, our segment where we talk about our etiquette faux pas, our confessional. But this story is related confessional? to something that happened to me this weekend. What and happened? I, I wanted to share it. Um, I was traveling. I was on a plane. I was returning. Actually, I was, I was leaving Vermont. doesn't matter which direction. But You did a business etiquette seminar, right? I was off doing a seminar. And. And 
uh, I, I'm recovering from a, a bit of a head cold, and I, I sympathize with this person. It's horrible to get a cold, to, to even be pretty sure you know where you got it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I knew I would be coughing and sniffling on the plane. I had my cough drops. I had my Kleenexes. And the woman sitting next to me, I could just see the fear in her eyes. I was, we were, you know, these, these planes are getting smaller and smaller. We were sharing a very confined space. And I was, I was doing my best to not be that germy coffee person. At the same time, there were a couple coughs that snuck up on me. And after the second one happened, she turned to me and she said, could, I, I've, I've just got to ask, could you please make an effort to cover your mouth when you cough? And I, I oh, was. you didn't cover your mouth. I was trying to. I thought I had been. I even wanted to say, I'm trying. I think I did. But I didn't. I said, absolutely. I, I will make an effort. And I doubled my efforts from that point forward. But um, particularly right now where people are really concerned about germs, it's the it's the season. Um I, I sympathized with her. If I had been sitting next to me, I might have been inclined to say something. So I do think that it's okay to turn and make that gesture. We were on a plane where it was okay to talk. I did not take offense at it. So being on the other side of this recently, I um, I do sympathize and I do think you can get away with saying a little something. And I think most people who are out and about dealing with that will be understanding. Just watch out for the meat thermometers. Do watch out. <laughs> This next question comes from Rachel, and I I love it because it's about man's best friend, and my my best Aww. friend is right next to me here. Benny Boy is in the is in the studio with us as always. Rachel writes, "My best friends have a two year old dog who is a pointer lab pit bull mix. They rescued him as a puppy, and they've done a beautiful job training him, and are very conscientious dog owners." Their dog, in general, is well-behaved and well-meaning, but he's 80 pounds and loves to play. I have a little dog who's 12 pounds. I don't feel comfortable with our dogs hanging out. They have asked on many occasions to bring him to our house for dinners. We are going on a trip together, and they keep mentioning that they're going to bring him along. They have lots of friends who have dogs sat for them before. I don't know how to talk to them about this without invalidating how hard they've worked on their dog. Well-behaved or not, having a giant dog around is tough. Mm-hmm. Rachel, it is tough, and it's it's tough because you are recognizing that they've done a great job, but this dog still is much more active than you're comfortable having your dog be around. So what does Rachel do? This is a really tricky question because people are so close to their dogs and have such strong feelings about our our four-legged friends, man's best friend, some people say. At the same time, it's really important before you go on vacation with someone else or another couple or a group of people that you talk ahead of time about um, the major details of the travel, whether that's the, the modes of transportation or who's going to be paying for what or or what the expectations are around the lodging or um, whether or not everyone has appropriate attire for a formal dinner, it can be all kinds of details. And whether or not you're going to bring dogs or even kids <laughs> um, are, are things that really should be discussed yeah. ahead of time. They should be discussed clearly and candidly so that you can really enjoy that time that you spend together and, and, and enjoy it to the fullest without a lot of tension and difficulty because someone brought a dog that's a bother to everybody else there. Um, and I think part of her worry is, okay, so if she brings it up, is that going to create tension mm-hmm. from the get-go? B- b- 
Boy, an ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure. Do it, get it over with, get through Rip it, so that you're you're coming out the other side yeah. b- before the before the vacation starts. I think you're right, though. I mean, offer like we we don't know whether Rachel is intending on bringing her dog on this trip, and it is sort of uh, it's it's easier to travel with a twelve pound dog. But I will say that regardless of whether it's easier, if you're going to ask someone to leave their dog at home, I think the easiest way to do that is to just say, let's make this a no dogs trip. I think that makes so much sense. Yeah. It's a great way to open the discussion. Right. Um, it's in terms of so so that's the vacation and and you shouldn't feel uncomfortable about broaching the subject, but you know, you can even start by saying, I know you've mentioned a number of times that you know, think you're excited for Rover to be on the trip. Acknowledge those things you've heard. Absolutely. But before we actually go, I want to talk to you about it because I was really hoping this could be a, a dog free trip. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're planning on putting Fluffy in the kennel or having a dog sitter. And we think that just for for ease and for comfort, that that would be a lot better for us on this trip. And we were hoping that that would be something you guys would be open to. If you approached me that way, I'd be ready to listen. <laughs> yeah, at least ready to listen. <laughs> yeah. And if if they're not okay with it, you can say then, you know, um, we really want you to have a good time, but we have to really reconsider whether we're going to go. If that's truly how strongly you feel about mm-hmm. it, and that might be a way for you to be figuring out whether this is a deal breaker on this trip for you. Be willing to negotiate as far as you are, but know what your limits are and what your, your hard lines are before you go into that discussion. I think that's also good advice. And a lot of people worry that if, so let's say it is a deal breaker, they're going to bring their dog. You just are not okay with it. You guys are going to back out of the trip. I think one of the best things that you could do is be sure to say, just so that there are no hard feelings, be sure to go out to dinner with them, eliminate the whether or not they come over to your house with their dog issue Mm -hmm. by taking it outside of the home, a place where the dog can't come, and make sure to have some kind of a social interaction with them. Um, either just before the trip or just after the trip so that they understand that this was just about the dog, the dog. and it wasn't about your friendship with them. You can and and truthfully, this is one of those things where you throw it out there and yeah, you could lose a friendship over it. You really could. Some people are mm-hmm. really emotional in that way where nope, they they don't like our dog, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. like and that's just it. And so consider that. When when you go to make that line, consider whether or not you can really handle a week with the dog, because Mm -hmm. would you rather the friendship or would you rather a week with the dog? Like what's where what is most important Mm -hmm. to you in this situation? Although I love the idea of also really thinking about ways that you can support and grow that friendship outside this particular difficulty and having those ideas at hand will go a long way towards illustrating how serious you are about about caring about the friendship. Right. Now, in regards to the dinners and having this dog come over to your house for dinner and that they automatically are inviting you're you are the owner of your home. And you are the host. And it is okay, just the same way as you would say, I'm sorry, but I'd really love for tonight to be just adults. It's okay for you to say, you know, I, you know that I, I love Rover. He's awesome. But it's just a little easier for me to host when I'm not worried about or thinking about the dogs playing and what's their interactions and just kind of how excited and active he is. And yeah. so I'd really love it if when we do dinner, it could just be about us having a good time together and and leave the dogs at home. 
I hope that helps, Rachel. And good luck. That is not an easy conversation to have. And, and I'm sorry if that means you're going to have to leave your dog behind to go on this right. vacation also. You but but definitely you've got to be prepared for that as well. So uh, good luck with the conversation and have a great trip. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question comes from a listener, Megan, and she writes... My hair is bright purple and has been for many years now. It's part of my personal identity as well as part of my branding for my business. I live in a small town about an hour outside of Seattle, Washington, and split my time between the two places. Both the small town and the big city culture in the PNW has many things in common, including people stopping me over my hair. And by stop me, I mean that at least two times a day, someone will come up to tell me that my hair is beautiful, which, don't get me wrong, it's really nice. But it also begins to feel invasive after a while. By the end of the day, I feel really guilty about just wanting to be left alone. What's more, sometimes people touch me. I still can't believe that that actually happens, but this happens about once a month where a stranger will come up and touch my hair as they tell me that they love it. I have no idea how to respond to these people. Someone touched my hair yesterday in the street from behind to see if it was a wig. I honestly thought I was being robbed and the encounter ruined my whole evening. The secret, however, is that one of my best friends is a hairstylist and uses me as a billboard for her skill set. So my hair is part my style and part advertisement for my really good friend. If she wasn't a stylist, my hair would still be purple, but probably not look as nice to warrant so much attention. I always feel like it's my responsibility to be nice and answer questions because it often ends with me passing out my friend's business card. However, all too often I have missed my bus or been late to appointments because of people's enthusiasm. I feel like the conversation is never quick enough and takes my attention away from my work or what I'm trying to accomplish. It's been enough strange encounters for me to believe that it must be in the way I am handling it that is causing the awkwardness. I love I love that, that she's, she's considering oh, so good. her own behavior within it. After all, I am the common denominator between all these encounters. I don't want to change my hair or ignore these positive yet still awkward situations. My questions are, how can I talk to these people and keep the conversations with strangers? quick and less awkward? Do I have a responsibility to share my friend's contact info with everyone who stops me? Do I have to engage with overly friendly people who touch my hair without asking? If this were happening to you, how would you lead and then quickly end the conversation? Also, this is weird, right? Or am I like being too sensitive to what is happening? How would you respond to it? What's a good quick way to have that conversation while giving credit to a friend with being able to get along with my life. We decided that this question was so fantastically awesome that we had to get Megan on air for it. 
Megan, and, and, welcome. And before we dive any deeper, Hi. Megan, tell us, when was the last time someone touched your hair? Has it been a Actually, day? Was it today? It was yesterday. Unbelievable. <laughs> And you know what else, though? It was actually really nice because I was actually having a really bad day and I was sitting in my car crying and got out and a little girl came up and said that my hair was magical. And I was like, oh, see, that's what I love it. Magical. And there's and there is a positive side to it. I mean, I I actually had purple hair at one point, too. And Dan doesn't has a look of surprise on his face time ago. (laughs) Mine probably wasn't as vibrant as yours. It wasn't as noticeable. But um, it is when you have something different, it's out there. And I love the fact in your question that you own the fact that, hey, I have something that's different and special. And it's just like if I had plugs or an interesting facial tattoo or something, you do it, it's going to get noticed. So you recognize what comes with that. I'm uh, so but what fascinates me is that this is interfering with your life. You're missing buses because you're because <laughs> you're talking with people about your hair. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah, ever I was actually we just had some family portraits taken and we got interrupted multiple times throughout the portrait session with people stopping us to talk about my hair. And my photographer was getting really irritated because wow. we were on a little bit of time and it's just, it's so weird because you want to give these people the information and talk to them and they're being nice. I don't want to be right. mean to them, but you also want to move on. And I'm guessing this was a photo shoot that was outside in a public place or something. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, thoughts. Yeah, Dan, go I've, I've got a couple and, and it's it's such a great long example. I want to go back and just take your questions one by one. Um, I, I, I was doing a. I was going through your question with my mother, and and she she has such practical, solid advice that I thought we'd we'd answer your questions sort of one after another, and then we'd do a a little bit more discussion about some of those answers. So the first question you asked is, how do I talk to these people and keep the conversation quick and less awkward? And my mother teaches our children's etiquette program, and one of the points that we often make is that magic words are magic, and they're magic because they do all kinds of things. And everybody remembers please and thank you, and thank you is a great magic word to start with. You acknowledge the compliment, you thank them for it, but then you move on to another magic word, which is pardon me or excuse me. And those words are going to get you out of all kinds of awkward and difficult situations. They're going to give the person some indication that the exchange is over. Thank you so much. I, I work really hard on it. If you'll excuse me, I, I've just got to catch this bus or we're in the middle of a photo shoot right now or pardon me. I'm thinking about the weather, whatever that other thing might be, um, that, that your magic words, thank you and excuse me or pardon me, are, are, are some of your best friends to, to keep it tight and to stay within the, the, the politically acceptable and, and socially acceptable territory here. And I think that it'll just help you shorten all of that. Is that do, do you feel comfortable with that? Do you feel like you could say, thank you, you know, if I came up to you, hey, wow, your hair is just, that's the most beautiful purple I've ever seen, you know. I, do you feel like you could say to me right at that point before I start asking you questions, thank you so much. You'll have to excuse me. I have to I have to be on my way. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, and I actually <laughs> had not thought of keeping it that short before. I'm almost embarrassed. We are going to tell you that idea. it is okay, especially because these are strangers and you're in a rush and it, they're so shocked by the hair, so excited by the hair that I think often they forget. And, and most people will wind up saying, oh, of course, of course. And just let you go on your way. So your second question um, was, do you have a responsibility to share your friend's contact info with everyone who stops me? Absolutely not. You do not. Your your friend 
is the one responsible for marketing her business. And I admit my my one of my nearest and dearest friends does my hair. I am a deep brunette and she capes me a beautiful shade of blonde. <laughs> and I Shh. often get 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 asked about my hair and and um sometimes it's it's who does it. And I wait the only time I really share it is if someone really wants the information. Mm-hmm. And if, if they're really asking, that's when I'll say, you know, uh, Brie at home, she does my hair and she's fabulous and, and go look her up and, and book it. But you can keep that short too. Mm-hmm. You do not have to make that something long. You can also, before they get to that point, use your thank you and excuse me. Mm-hmm. And, and I would even, if you've got more time and you don't mind, you can offer it. You can volunteer exactly. it. But particularly if it's, if it's one of those days where, where you're staying on a schedule and, or, or even just if you don't have the mental space for it that day, like Lizzie says, it's, it's not your responsibility to go there. It's, it's really okay. And don't get me wrong. I love being able to share with like most of my girlfriends now go to my stylist because, you know, we've just shared it. And I say, she does such a fabulous job. Here you go. Um, but I don't, if, if I don't like Dan said, and I think, I think this is the great phrase for it is if you don't have the mental space for it, because sometimes you have the time, but gosh, darn it. You just don't, don't want to have the conversation with a stranger. It's okay. And establishing that boundary. It it becomes invasive, even though it's a positive encounter after a while, it just becomes a little bit much. Yeah, definitely. Right. So I really appreciate that, but I don't have the responsibility to do that every time. You don't have to do it every single time. You don't You don't have to. I mean, unless she's giving you free all the time and really hooking it up for you, you, you don't have to be her personal marketing machine. Um, and I'll, I'll take us on to the next question, Megan, and that's do I have to engage with overly friendly people who touch my hair without asking? Boy, if someone was touching me without asking, I would go to another magic word, excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Um, and with that tone of voice, oh, let, a, let them know say that it's a different uh, magic word of please, <laughs> and then followed by the assertive word stop. <laughs> um, establishing that boundary is okay. Also, yes. you're you're never expected to to to. Oh boy, it's like I almost can't even say it because it's it's really not yeah. not acceptable. Americans tend to have a personal space of about 18 inches is the closest we want someone to us, and 18 inches to three feet is what we're comfortable with. Um, we are we are not like other cultures where getting right in and touching is okay. And it is perfectly okay for you to say, please don't. Uh, if, if someone tugged my hair from behind, I would definitely turn around. Like you said, I would think I was being robbed. I would turn around with a look on my face that was like, what the heck are you doing? I, I know, Lizzie, <laughs> they might get more than that, too. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, etiquette world aside, like, you touch me, you're done. And it's, def- <laughs> it's definitely okay for you. Anyone who touches you at random in public, it is okay for you to be done with that immediately. And just simply turn around and say, please don't. And walk away. Although I've, I do have to say too, I think it's really sweet how um, it's, it seems like you're really generous with yourself, and I can just picture you with this this child yesterday who's just right different <laughs> in a state of awe with with your purpleness. You're not going to put um, your dukes up to a five year old, but it's no, yeah. Um, I love I love. Well, your next your next question was if this were happening to you, how would how would you lead and then quickly end the conversation? And I feel like I feel like we've let you know that. But I love your next question. Of, also, this is weird, right? Yes, it is totally weird. It's so weird that this is having this much of an effect. It's like it. it I mean, it's one of the reasons I love the question so much. It's different. 
And and thank you for bringing us a question that that really feels very contemporary. I I, I think your question um, um, speaks to a generation that's used to informality and is used to really broad broad standards and people really expressing themselves in all kinds of yeah. ways. And uh, I I think it's fantastic. And and uh, I'm curious as to what how do how do you feel about it? now you've gotten you've gotten some thoughts on it from the two of us. Like how how do you think tomorrow's gonna go? Well, I hope I'll remember everything, actually. Um, That's what's great. It's recorded in a podcast. (laughs) There you go. It's perfect. Yeah, I think um, I'm excited about that I don't have a responsibility to share the information unless I I feel like it or I'm in the headspace. Right. It's it's still being a good friend to my friend as well as being respectful to myself and my space and... um, and I'm glad that it was weird. <laughs> I've been asking people for, like, I think my hair has been purple for, like, four years or something like that. And I've been dealing with this for a long time, trying to really figure out the polite way to handle this. Because I don't want people, I don't ever want to put people down. Right. And I, I don't want people to think, oh, people with purple hair are mean or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. I don't want to start that. Because I don't, like, that's not my personality and I just. Clearly. Well, no, yeah. It, it's so clear just from talking to you that you have such a good heart and good intentions. And that's so much what good etiquette is about. So I f- have no problem with giving you the advice to to do things like play the thank you so much. You'll have to excuse me card because I feel like you'll be able to deliver that in a very friendly and believable way. And that's that's what matters. It's all in how you actually say it. And I, I just just from talking to you, it sounds like you're going to be able to do that really, really well. Well, thank you. I appreciate the confidence. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting to try it tomorrow, probably. <laughs> good. <laughs> well, g- good luck, Megan. And thanks for spending the time with us. Thanks so much, right, Megan. Thank you so much for answering my question. I really appreciate it. Great. Take you're care. welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. to see a photo of Megan with her amazing hair, we have one up at infiniteguest.org. Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. You can submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. So I came across in Esquire magazine, uh, John Mariani had a piece on A Gentleman's Guide to Dining Etiquette, 39 Rules to Eating Like a Proper Gentleman. And this is uh, courtesy of Esquire's food correspondent and in no particular order, but very particularly. Our rapid fire segment today will go through all 39 points and either agree on whether the point is valid or Mm -hmm. close to valid or Mm -hmm. debatable or whether it's downright preposterous. And as always, please take this with a grain of salt. There's always room for more discussion, but we did think that this would be a lot of fun. And be more fun to do rapid fire than to really, uh, we're going to try to limit our our usual talkative selves. (laughs) All right. Daniel, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Number one, a gentleman is never unintentionally rude. Agreed. How about a gentleman always dresses appropriately? Agree. A gentleman never bribes a maitre d'. Agreed. A gentleman never has more than one cocktail before dinner. 
Debatable, but a good idea. <laughs> a gentleman never takes more than one minute to decide on his meal. Debatable. A gentleman never talks about golf with a woman present. Preposterous. As a female <laughs> golfer, I take offense. A gentleman does not remove his shoes under the table to play footsie. Agreed. I, I, I could say debatable. I'm a little footsie. <laughs> a gentleman does not table hop. Agreed. A gentleman does not frequent any restaurant so loud that he cannot hold a conversation with the person across from him. Agreed. A gentleman never drinks beer from a bottle at a restaurant. Debatable? <laughs> a gentleman does not use sugar substitutes. Preposterous. A gentleman always gets up from his chair when a woman gets up from hers or approaches the table. Agree, but also debatable. In business, you want to keep things super neutral. Absolutely. A gentleman does not drink water with a lime or lemon slice in it. Preposterous. <laughs> a gentleman never has his cell phone on the table. Agreed. A gentleman never discusses the price of a meal or wine. Agreed. A gentleman never over tips. Debatable. A gentleman always orders after his guests do. Agreed. But also debatable. There could be times. You might want to give some direction there as a host. Yeah. A gentleman never orders salad as a main course. Preposterous. A gentleman never applauds when the chef comes out. Debatable. A gentleman takes his mother out to dinner at least four times a year. Well, that's lovely, but I it agree. is debatable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Flip side, a gentleman lets his father take him out to dinner at least four times a year. Also lovely. Also debatable. Definitely. You Sometimes you want to offer to pay yourself. You can't count on dad all the time. <laughs> okay. A gentleman does not sniff the cork, but merely glances at it to see if the vintage is the same as the bottle label. Agree. And I believe it's also to see if the, the wine has run up the cork. Mm-hmm. A gentleman never says more than three words about the quality of a wine being served. Debatable. A gentleman should always quietly dispute an error on a check with the manager. Agree. A gentleman should never dance at a Greek restaurant. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> a gentleman should never sing karaoke in a Japanese restaurant. Debatable. <laughs> a gentleman never tucks his napkin into his shirt. Agreed. A gentleman should send back a wine only if it has gone bad or been corked. Agree. 29. A gentleman should never be ashamed to ask for a doggy bag. Debatable. In business, you uh, really don't want to do that. <laughs> a gentleman never shakes his breadstick in the air to make a point. Agree. A gentleman never draws on the tablecloth. <laughs> Agreed. A gentleman never admires another man's shoes. Agreed. A gentleman should never put his hand over a wine glass to indicate no more. Agreed. A gentleman never snaps his fingers to get the waiter's attention. Absolutely agree. A gentleman knows the difference between a sauce spoon and a soup spoon, as well as the functions of all silverware on the table. Agreed. A gentleman goes to the restroom before sitting down to dinner. Debatable? A gentleman never asks a chef to alter his cooking. Also debatable. A gentleman always has coffee after dessert. I think that's debatable, too. <laughs> a gentleman may flirt with the coat check girl, but must never ask her out on a date. Technically agreed, but debatable. On multiple <laughs> counts. That's our rapid fire segment. I hope you had fun and let us know what you think is agreed or debatable. We like to celebrate good behavior at the Emily Post Institute. So each episode, we like to do an awesome etiquette salute. 
Today's salute, uh, we really want to make sure goes out to our train the trainer attendees because they are all they've all graduated our program and they are all actually going out into the world to help teach etiquette at various uh, places and to various people. And they actually are going to be making a difference in this world. And we would just love to give them a wholehearted salute from our awesome etiquette podcast. You guys are fantastic. And and we just can't we can't emphasize enough how how important you are and you're ambassadors for etiquette and we love you and the work that you do and good luck in your own communities. Social courtesy does pay, doesn't it? Thanks. Thank you for listening. Send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm Daniel underscore Post. And I'm Lizzie A. Post. You can also reach us via email at awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Awesome Etiquette is produced in collaboration with Vermont Public Radio. This is Awesome Etiquette, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. The Infinite Guest Network has all kinds of podcasts for you to listen to, including a new addition to the network. The Soundtrack Series, hosted by Dana Rossi. The Soundtrack Series is a live show and podcast where people tell stories about their favorite songs. Learn more at infiniteguest.org. I don't know. Do you My know My favorite song? song changes all the time. Does it? Yeah. Is, but what about just a song that's really important to you? Yeah. Right now, there's a particular song that's in my mind. It's called Two Boys, and it's sang by the the group Strange Folk. They were a small band here in Burlington, Vermont, that my brother and I used to go hear all the time when we were growing up. And the song was about two brothers, two boys, and they're playing in the woods and the adventures they have and the games they imagine that they play. And um, it was always sort of our theme song, our, the, the two brothers theme song. I've been thinking about my brother, thinking about two boys. It's definitely a, a song of some significance and on the mind at the moment. So a song that is really important to me would actually be a song that I I love to sing. And when I sing this particular song, there's there's just something that happens. It like comes over me. I always feel really, really fantastic about singing it. And that is Angel from Montgomery. And I was really psyched because when I was at the Grand Point North Festival this year, um, Grace Potter actually sang that song. And it was one of those moments where this is a song that I really love to sing. It's kind of my warm up song whenever I'm singing with my friend who plays guitar. It's like the one we use to always get my voice there. And um, that song, that song really, really gets me. So that's that's kind of my my always go to.